Make peace with your life so that when it comes to the end, it's more than just okay. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Good morning again. It is so good to be here with you and to be in this place today. And I'm grateful that the rain has held off a little bit uh, this morning, allowed us to come and be a part of this experience. I want to share a couple of verses of scripture with you this morning. Uh, First from uh, just one verse from the second chapter of Genesis. You probably know this verse. It's, uh, it's at the beginning of the story. Chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. From the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, verses 24 and following. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made with human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the top desk drawer in my office is a sealed envelope. Written on the outside of that envelope, it says, Bob Winstead's Funeral Service. Underneath that, in parentheses, it says, To be opened by Chuck Hodges. Chuck knows it's there. We've talked about it. He's seen it. He's promised to do for me whatever I ask him to do on that day. I've thought about it for years. There's an order of worship in there, detailed. It's got all the, all the music is all planned out, all the scriptures all planned out. There's a few pages of notes about how I'd like that day to go if I have any say about it. That remains to be seen, I guess. I'm hoping it's not going to be too sad. It's going to be a lot of fun. I started planning it and writing it down in detail the day after I had my heart attack three years ago. That was a Monday afternoon. I had the open heart surgery on Thursday. So this was Tuesday and Wednesday. 
I call them the days of preparation. Somebody from the hospital staff came to see me. They encouraged me to fill out my advance directives, if you know what that is. That got my attention. Facing your own mortality ought to get your attention, don't you think? Who do I want to talk to the doctor if we get to a point where I am unable to do so? How long do I want them to keep the life support machines buzzing and humming in there if I get to a point where I can no longer communicate with, with anyone? Good questions and more like that. You know, you know what they're like. It's good to think it through, I guess. There's a great deal that's been written about the end of life. Some of it's helpful. Some of it's not so helpful. Most of the good stuff that's out there has a common theme or two in it. What, what people think about when they start thinking about the end, at their death, nobody really wishes to that they had spent more time at work, things like that. Ministers get a chance to talk to people about this part of life more than other people do. Chuck and Martha and Betsy and I, we, we, get, we get the opportunity to talk with folks about the end Interesting conversations. Most people have a few regrets. Things that they wish they had done that they neglected to do and things that they did that they wish they had never done. Most folks. The Bible talks a lot about death. Extensive from the beginning to the end, life and death. We know from the biblical narrative that God created man. Actually, that word means human. That's the translation. Human beings from the dust of the earth and blew into them the breath of life. We also know that way back when this was written, Breath signified life. We still say, are they still breathing? Are they still breathing? That's you and me. Did you know that we're the crown of creation? Did you know that you're the best thing that God ever made? The best thing God ever made is you. Is you. God made the sun and said it was good, and God made the moon and said it was good, and God made the trees and the plants and said it was good, and God made the animals and the birds and the fish and, and said it was good, and then God made human beings and said, It's fabulous. This is the best thing I've ever done. This is just like me. 
made in the image of God, it says in Scripture. Just like me. God created life. God created our life. And from the very beginning, we knew that the end was going to come. If you create a beginning, you create an ending. We knew looming out there somewhere was the end. Our days are numbered. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. We do well to remember that there's an end out there. I have a good friend who lives in Decatur. He runs a funeral home there. And uh, he and I, through the years, have had philosophical conversations about what I do and what he does and where the two things intersect. Ministers and funeral home directors have a lot of common territory, you know. He's asked me on more than one occasion, he says, Bob, do you know what the mortality rate is in DeKalb County? And then... He pulls his glasses down. He says, it's 100%. <laughs> he said, nobody's going to make it out alive. A few minutes ago, I read from the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. Paul is speaking. You know where Paul's speaking from? Where he's speaking, the, where he is? He's in Athens. He's in Athens. Paul says, God really doesn't need our help. God really doesn't need anything we can build for God at all. God doesn't need our shrines. God doesn't need anything we're going to make. In fact, if you want the truth of the matter, God made everything we've got already. So God doesn't need us to manufacture anything for God. What it says is, uh, God is from one ancestor made a place for everybody. I've got spots for you. I've got territory for you. And I've got a length of time for you. Or as we might call it, our here and our now. He says, why God made that for us? So that we can search and find God. So that we can look and find God. But we don't have to look too hard, he says, because God is closer than we can imagine already. In fact, it is in Him we live and move and have our being, the Scripture says, Paul says, in Athens. You get this slice of time. You get this, this piece of time. It's from the beginning to the end, but you get this piece of time and you get this place so that you can look for God. So there I was. I'd cranked the bed up so I could sit up straight and I had one of those tables, you know, the ones that look like a C, it pushes over across your lap. <clears throat> and I had these advanced directives sitting in front of me and I was filling out the paperwork. And my mind started wandering thinking about what had got me to that spot 
thinking about my life, thinking back on things I've experienced. I came to the conclusion it's been good so far and I hope there's some more of it. I do have some things on my bucket list I'd like to see and to do before it's all done. Sure would like to see my grandkids and Evelyn's grandkids grow up and fall in love and have families of their own. I'd like to see that. But I also thought, well, if this is the end of it all, it's been good. And I have confidence it's going to be fabulous on the other side. I pondered for a while what I would say if I could say something, if I got another chance. I often ask my students in uh, classes that I teach, say, see if you can boil it down, you know, get, get, get it boiled down to what, if you could only say this much, what would you say? If you get it down to, to one message, if, if, you, if you only had one passage of Scripture that you could ever preach, and you could only preach it one more time, what would you say? If, if, you, could, if you could boil it down, if you could get it down to something, or, or if you were going to do a three-sermon series, David, what would, what would be the three sermons and why? If that's all you could ever say again, what would they be? Choose what you say. And I, I started thinking about that, and I said, I have five things I would like to tell my children. I have five things that I want to tell the people that I love, the congregations that I've been able to serve through the years. I just, just five things right here at the end. I, if, if that's all there ever is, give me a chance to say these things. Number one, love well. Love well. Treat the people you love with care and dignity and respect. Be kind, be generous. Offer them your whole heart and nothing less. Give patient understanding to the people that you love. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Be helpful. Be slow to anger and quick to forgive. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody's feelings. Love well. Love well. Hold your stuff lightly. Hold it lightly. Don't get attached to the things of this world. They're going to be here today and they're going to be gone tomorrow. You know everything you've got, you're going to give somebody else. Dan, every book you've got is going to somebody else. Everything we've got goes to somebody else. You don't own a piece of land. You don't own a car. You don't own a house. Everything goes away. Like the old preacher said, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul trailer. <laughs> everything goes away. Everything Hold it lightly, folks. I got a lot of stuff and I love my stuff, but 
Somebody, it's going to be somebody else's stuff one day. It's not going to be mine. Hold it lightly. I know that every single thing I have is not mine. It's God's. And I'm a steward. I'm a temporary owner, not the permanent owner. And the same is true for you. No one gets to take anything with them. One day we're going to let go of everything, including this world. Hold it, hold it lightly. Don't hold on too tight. My daddy used to say, pack light, we're leaving in the morning. Love well, hold lightly, work hard. Another way might be to say, give your best every single day. Work hard. My daddy taught me that. I had a lot of rich things that I've inherited in, in life. And by that, I don't mean monetary value. But one of the richest heritages I have, myself, my brother, my two sisters, we were taught a work ethic at a very young age. My parents believed children should have responsibilities and taught us so. We learn to take care of ourselves. We learn to take care of other people. We, we clean a house. We took care of our, we didn't, we didn't leave things a mess. We had things we had to do. We had chores. You remember that? That's an old fashioned word, isn't it? We had chores we had to do. Each day has a measure of work that needs to be done. And you know, I look back on it at this point in my life and and I think it's a, it's a, it was a rich blessing that I've had work to do, that I've had work to do. All these things, all these years that I've been able to do it. What a rich blessing it is. When we reach the end of our lives, friends, we ought to be able to look back knowing we have offered our talents and our energy and made the world a better place because of it. This morning I was in my office early looking over my notes for today and I glanced up and on the wall there over my desk to the side is my diploma from Emory when I got my Master of Divinity degree at Candler School of Theology. And I started reading it. You know, it's the kind of thing you don't pay much attention to most of the time. It's just, it's dressing in the room, you know. And, you know, it said Emory University, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff that they put underneath it. And then it says, Robert Wayne Winstead has been admitted to the degree of Master of Divinity. It didn't say has been conferred the degree. It said admitted to the degree, which I think is an interesting choice of words. And underneath that, it says, signifying clear rights and privileges and entailing a distinctive trust, colon. Underneath that, that it be employed skillfully in the service to others. Why did they give me that degree? So that I can serve others. Not so that I can serve myself so that I can serve others. I think that's what we need to put 
on some document somewhere for every single human being that reaches the age of accountability. Whatever you do with your life, whatever it is, may it be in the service to others. Whatever you learn to do, apply that skill in the service to others. That's not just true for clergy. Work hard. Number four, give freely. Give freely. Give generously. If you've been blessed with sufficient and more, give the rest of it away. Give it away. Give it to people that need it. Give it to causes that need it. Give it to places where it can do some good. It's a fundamental law of the way the world works. It's a fundamental law of stewardship. The scripture is clear that we are to take care of one another and part of that is our resources. And that's not just our money, but our time and our energy too. You remember the story that Jesus told about how he was going to know who was really following him? When he gets to the end, he uses the image of the sheep and the goats, but how he was going to tell when he gets to the end where who, who's really been the ones following me? It's the ones who did what? Gave water to the thirsty, food to the hungry, clothed to the naked, visited the sick and those in prison, and spread the good news. See, that's how I'm going to tell who the people are and I can, that's how I'm going to separate. The harsh reality is the measure of our life is how much we've given it away. How much we've given it away. To whom much is given, much is required. Give freely. Finally, and most importantly, what I would say to my children, what I would say to all the people I love, what I would say to you, make peace. Make peace with God and make peace with others but make peace. We live in a world filled with enmity. We live in a world filled with some of the harshest things that you can imagine. I, I just, and, and it seems to get more polarized every day. Friends, make peace. The last thing you want at the end of your life is to have any doubt at all about your relationship with God. Make peace with God. Wherever you are in your life of faith, you want to have the blessed assurance that we sing about. You see, one of the struggles a lot of us have is that we can come to a life of faith, we can come to church, we can come to Bible study, and we can unburden ourselves and lay our burdens down. And then what we do when the service is over is we reach over and we pick them back up and we carry them back out of the door with us. 
We're called to be living sacrifices. But you know what the problem is with living sacrifices? Living sacrifices keep crawling off the altar. We've got to give it up and leave it. Give it up and leave it. Make peace with it. You fill in the blank, whatever the it is. We've got to make peace with it. I had a teacher one time, Dr. Thompson, who, uh, who would always ask the question of his students, where's the grace in your sermon? Well, Dr. Thompson, here's the grace in this sermon. Friends, lay your burdens down. Lay your heart down. Lay your troubles down. Lay your worries about the future down. Lay your guilt down. Whatever it is, lay it all down. Give it to God. And for God's sake and yours, leave it there. And don't pick it back up. Make peace with it. Be done with it. Another place where we need to make peace is with each other. Oh, friends, we need to make peace with each other. You probably already know this, but I'm going to remind you that as a follower of Jesus, it's not a suggestion that you forgive other people. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. It's a command to be obeyed. We're told to forgive one another 17 times 7 and then more. You are told to forgive even as you have been forgiven. I love that passage in Matthew's Gospel about the reason for getting up and walking out of church. I love that. I call it leaving before the benediction. And Matthew gives you an out. He does. He said, you can get up and walk out of church. He said, if you come and you are going to offer your gift at the altar in worship, and you remember that you have anything, anything between you and somebody else, first, get up and leave. Go and be reconciled to the other person and then come back to worship. If you ever have a need to get up in the middle of church and walk out, we're all going to know why. It's time to get some business done with somebody. Whether it's you asking for forgiveness or whether it's you offering for forgiveness, whatever the business needs to be, get it done. Get it done and don't wait. Time can run out on getting it done. Go do it. Go do it. Because Jesus knows that relationships are more important than ritual. And peace is the key to opening our hearts in worship. Make peace with other people. Life is too short to carry around resentment and hurt and anger. You know the one thing that gets heavier the longer you carry it is a grudge. And it gets so heavy you can't carry it anymore. Do you owe somebody an apology? Apologize. Does somebody else owe you an apology? Well, get over it because they're probably not going to apologize. <laughs> but make peace with it. Just forgive it. Just let it go. 
No, life is not fair. And no, everybody who has hurt you is not going to tell you that they hurt you. Get over it. Let it go. Make peace with it. Love well. Hold lightly. Work hard. Give freely. And make peace. Every bit of this ran through my mind. That day I was filling out those advanced directives. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying I got it all right or anything like that. Not at all. I'm still working it, trying to become the man that God wants me to be. If you don't believe that, you can ask my wife. <laughs> I hope I'm getting better at it every day. There's still room for improvement. And I'm not saying I have life all figured out. But some of the things I've learned, I've learned the hard way. Friends, love well. Love well. Hold things in this world lightly. Hold people tightly. Hold things lightly. Work hard. Give your best. Give freely, generously, and make peace. The greatest gift we've ever been given is life. Jesus tells us that God wants us to have it abundantly, rich and full, filled to the brim, overflowing with goodness so much that it spills out all over everybody else that's around us. Make peace with your life so that when it comes to the end, it's more than just okay. It's that joyous realization of an eternity with the one who made us. The one who lit the sun and fixed it in the heavens. The one who spangled the night with the moon and the stars. The one who taught the pine tree how to point its finger to the sky and the oak how to spread out its arms. That one. The one who made us in his own image. Make peace with life so that when it comes to the end, your regrets are few and your joys are many. And on that horizon out there is eternity with your Maker. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Oh, Lord.